Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Couch GM's podcast. I'm your host, George Kerr, along with the other two wildcard teams, Tyler Snyder. How's it going, everybody? And Cody Roadcap. What's up, everyone? Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. Quick recap, the Couch GM's are three best friends who love talking football. We had a great regular season, and we're looking forward to the playoffs. If you're wondering what you can expect from this podcast, well, it's going to be a little different since we are in the playoffs. Uh, we are going to be discussing the wildcard games, breaking down all the playoff teams. We're still going to be discussing some headlines, but this week we will not be talking fantasy. Fantasy is over, but, you know, all around, we're just going to do what we always do, and we're just going to have some fun talking football. And we want you to join in on talking football with us on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Couch GMs. And for those of you that were following along with us all season, we might as well wrap up our week 17 picks and overall standings. And I unfortunately made some bold choices and it did not pay off as I lost with an 11 and five record, which I thought was pretty good. But Tyler finishing the season very strong at 15 and one. Congrats, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a strong season. I mean, not only did I have a good week, but I had a good season. If you go and look at the overall standings, I finished with 157 correct picks. Cody was second with 145, and George, not only did you lose this week's picks, but you lost this season's picks with 142 correct. Yeah, I mean, I think it was still a pretty good year for me. There was some stiff competition. You guys did very well, and like I said, losing an 11-5 and record to lose the season, that was a tough one for me to handle, but you'll see my punishment coming soon if you follow us on social media, and if you don't, make sure you go on there and like or follow us, and you'll see that entertainment coming very soon. And to uh, all the teams out there that are listening to our podcast, because I know all 32 teams do listen to us, I just want to say I did have 157 correct picks this year. I went 15-1 and in the final week. So if you are looking for a new head coach, just so you know, um, you can find me on social media, on Twitter. You can reach out to me, direct message. Uh, I am available for one of your head coach vacancies hey i mean you can't be worse than adam gase am i right that is not you want to talk about adam gase how about we talk about adam gase then because uh we've been waiting forever and he's finally gone i started to get a little worried after they won two games if you know he might have saved his job but the jets did the right thing they appear to know what they're doing maybe this is finally the turnaround the jets needed but hopefully they don't mess up this hire Yeah, well, he's not the only coach that was fired. Doug Marone was fired as well. There is six teams that now have a head coach vacancy. They are looking for a new coach this next year. One of the popular candidates is Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Guys, I also heard that the Jets are now looking at Marvin Lewis, the former Bengals head coach, and I really don't think he deserves another head coaching job. Am I wrong here, or do you think this is a good move? I mean, they're probably looking for somebody with some kind of experience to hopefully like right the ship because it's been so much of a struggle for them for how many years, but I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that's the right move either. There's a lot of other better candidates out there, whether it's in the NFL as coordinators, or even college coaches. So I don't I don't like that hire if they go for it. Yeah, I, I do think Marvin Lewis, you know, he deserves a second chance, but I don't think the Jets is the right fit. I think Marvin Lewis has the Texans written all over him. Now, I do know there is some rumors out there on the Internet that Sean Watson is contemplating requesting a trade after the abysmal season they had. But, you know, the Texans, they like the older coaches. You know, they signed 
Nick Cassero, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from New England Patriots to be the GM. I could see them going for a long tenured guy in Marvin Lewis down in Houston. I saw this really funny thing on Twitter today as well, where there were people trying to uh, get Philip Rivers to get a head coaching job, specifically in uh, with the Chargers, but... I think that's also hilarious seeing that come out. Yeah, I I never think that a player should go straight to head coaching. Does Rivers have a career in coaching? Possibly. I mean, he is one of the smarter football minds. However, when you go into coaching right after playing, I feel like you need to start as a quality control coach or a quarterback's coach or – I don't even think you should be an offensive coordinator when you first become a coach. Hey, but you know, if you can manage nine kids, you can manage a roster. That's all I'm saying about Philip Rivers coaching. Managing nine kids is managing a roster. You're right there. So we are talking about coaching. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski, he did come down with COVID and the Browns are going to be without a coach. So that's some bad coaching news. But we'll get to that later in the podcast when we discuss that matchup. But guys, there is one coach that did not lose his job that some people are calling for, and that is Doug Peterson of the Eagles. I don't want to talk about it. I know, I, <laughs> I know the three of us have been debating this uh, like crazy. We got in some heated arguments over this topic. But are the Eagles tanking, and what do you think of them pulling out Jalen Hurts when they were only down three? So I'll start because I feel like I started our internal debate on this. So I think George – he mentioned, you know, if this is a one o'clock game, no one would care. I think there might be some truth to that. However, you don't play a game for three quarters and decide to quit. If they would have just started Nate Sutfield from the beginning, I think less people would have an issue. The fact that they went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal to tie to make it appear like they were trying to win the game for the next drive to send out Nate Sutfield, who threw a beautiful punt into an interception just shows that they were tanking. And, you know, a lot of people in the league always say no team tanks. You know, everyone plays the hardest. We saw it with the Jets. It cost them the first overall pick because they played their hearts out. Doug Marone, he did get fired this year, but some people could argue that he should have been fired years ago. But his teams always played hard. And then two weeks ago, we saw Jason Kelsey go on a rant in a post-game interview about how you don't quit. You play every game. And the fact Doug Peterson quit on his team, sends a bad message to the locker room. There's reports that players went out of Philadelphia. There was reports that players had to be held back from going after Doug Peterson on the sideline because they sign up to play a game where they want to win. And that, I think, is going to ruin the Philadelphia organization for the next years to come. Absolutely, Cody. I don't think anybody goes into the NFL out of the draft and says, man, I can't wait to go to a team and lose games to try to get better draft picks. People go into the NFL because they want to win games. Fans watch because they want to see wins for their favorite team. So for a coach to just completely give up and lay down, like I understand, they get a better draft pick by losing the game. Fine. But at the same time, the draft pick will come. You know, you have to be able to adapt with whatever draft pick you get and try to make that work and win games that way. Plus, not to shoot shots at the Eagles, but they're not very good at drafting anyway, so does it really matter that they get a better draft pick? But in all honesty, they were laying down. They did tank that game. You don't pull your potential franchise quarterback. That's a debate for another day. But you don't pull your potential franchise quarterback out of the game only down by three to try out a third string or potential backup for next year. He's been in your practices. He had preseason. Like You've seen what you've got out of this guy. You've had him in years past. You should know what you're getting out of this guy. And even if you don't, he's a backup. You don't know what you're getting out of Hurts. 
I would love to see how Hertz would handle a situation with one minute left needing a touchdown to win. I want to see that out of my franchise quarterback and see how he handles that situation. Not my backup. And then the worst part to me was after putting in Sudfeld and he just blows it, fumbles, throws interceptions, and clearly he wasn't the answer and not putting in Hertz. Then they go to Doug Peterson in the postgame press conference and he says, I made that move because I was trying to win. Now that's a bold face lie. And to go out in the public and then get annoyed that people were asking why he was making that move, it's just absolutely disgusting. I'm disappointed in the Eagles. As a fan, I would be so pissed off at my favorite team. As a free agent, I wouldn't want to sign with the Eagles. And if I was an Eagles player, I'd want out too. So I've gone through a whole range of emotions when it comes to this. So I'll, I'll walk you guys through everything that I've been thinking from the beginning. So when it first started happening, I thought there was a chance it was a tank. Or I just thought like, well, maybe they're just trying to evaluate what they've got. And they're using it like a preseason game. And as much as that really does hurt, it is kind of a tank. It's just they're trying to improve for next year. Then afterwards, I really started feeling bad, really started digging in, seeing what all the comments were, seeing everyone's reactions, including the Eagles players. And I thought then at a point, maybe it was just stupidity. Like maybe Doug Peterson really thought he could have beat that team with Nate Sudfeld. And he was just trying to kill two birds with one stone, do what I said earlier, but still win the game. And then I had something hit me that I remembered from the past. And that was back when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And then maybe one or two years later, they were holding on to guys they shouldn't have held on the roster. And they said it was because they just had emotional ties to these players that they shouldn't have had. And it made it hard for them to let go of their old veterans that used to be successful in the organization because they just had all the emotional attachment to them. And it wasn't a good football move to keep them. And I think about it and he talked about how Nate Sudfeld was the backup in the Super Bowl. And that was one of his arguments. Like he's got to be a good quarterback. He's been around for a while. He's been here through all the good and everything else. Maybe it was an emotional thing and it clouded his judgment and it was not good. And I want to say, I'm sorry to any Giants fans or Giants players that might be listening in because that you did not deserve to go through that. I am sorry. Well, I understand that it might be an emotional thing. And again, Yes, Giants fans must be absolutely crushed. I know the Giants players were absolutely crushed about what happened. But at the same time, if it's an emotional decision to put in Sudfeld because you feel like he deserves some playing time uh, because of your emotional attachment, well, then where's the emotional attachment to Zach Ertz? Where's the emotional attachment to Jason Kelsey or Carson Wentz? These other guys that have been huge, huge pieces in your system, and they've been there for years, and this might be their last year in Philadelphia. Don't you think guys like that deserve to go out in the link and get a win to win in their last game in an Eagles uniform? That's the emotion that I would want. I don't want my backup quarterback to feel like he's important. I want my star players that have been there and have contributed for years to go out on top. That's the emotion that I would want. And me as a fan, I completely agree as well. And I think it was a completely dumb move, but I don't know what else it really could have been because I really want to believe he wasn't tanking and it was just an absolutely stupid move. And that's why I'm still upset about it. Man, he was tanking. Now, what is the real difference between the sixth and the ninth pick? I guess we'll have to live and see. But I mean, those picks are almost, you know, same price to trade up from six as it is from nine. It's not that big of a gap. And I'm with you like 
I know we everyone has seen the reports of and Jason Kelsey all out at the link until 1.30 in the morning just talking, reminiscing on how important it was to them to be an Eagle, how important it was for them to bring a championship. And that was all thrown away because a coach decided to tank for three draft spots. And I know you guys said you're sorry for the Giants fans. I don't even feel bad for them because they only won six games. They got to be mad at themselves for losing 10. But to go out that way where everyone, especially this year in a COVID year, where everybody had to take things to an extra level. Joe Judge wrapped it up great. You had to ask these players to not see their families on Thanksgiving. Ask these players not to spend Christmas with anyone but their household. Ask these players to not go anywhere on their bye week. Stay in their house for a week because of how intense these COVID protocols are for a head coach to come out and not put his best effort for all 16 games. He deserved to be fired for that. I don't care that he won a Super Bowl three years ago, and he wouldn't have done that if the reports that morning that his job was safe. That was the worst thing for the Eagles, and it's going to hurt them for years to come. Just to backtrack on one thing you said, I know you said the Giants don't deserve to be there because they only win six games. I agree with you there. I shouldn't feel too bad for a team that only won six games not making the playoffs. However, the reason that I have some sympathy towards them is because Washington should be the better team over Philadelphia, and yet... They barely won. They came out and looked flat. They had Alex Smith. They had that defense, and they still looked flat. Where the Giants knew that a possible playoff spot was on the line, they go out against Dallas, who's actually been really hot over the past few weeks, and they played their butts off. They worked so hard, and they ended up pulling off the win, an upset in a lot of people's eyes. So to put in that much effort to try to make the playoffs, and then you see your playoff hopes slip away to a team that, came out flat against a bad team, all because the other team decided to just lay down with their tail between their legs. That's why I feel sympathy, not because they missed with six wins, uh, but because of the way they went out. Amen. I'm with you, Tyler. That's It's not because of how the Giants performed, definitely, but we're on the same page with that at least. Well, guys, I think that's enough talking about teams that didn't make the playoffs. So let's just get into our, what they call it, super wildcard weekend because there's so many matchups this year with the extra playoff team. We'll see how that bodes for those seven seeds. Maybe the, a seven seed will break out for the Super Bowl. Who knows? But the first game of the weekend starts on Saturday, one o'clock game. We got the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills might be the hottest team right now. What are your guys' thoughts on this matchup? I agree with you, Cody. I think the Bills are the hottest team right now. I mean, we saw them come out these last few weeks and just absolutely dominate teams. And that connection of Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs is hotter than ever. I understand that Allen or not Allen, I'm sorry, uh, that Diggs and Beasley are both questionable for this game, but I expect both of them to play, and if they do, I think it's going to be a slugfest. I know the Colts have a good defense, but I don't think they have a defense good enough to take care of all the weapons that Buffalo has. And on top of that, Buffalo has a good defense too. And other than Jonathan Taylor, there's really nothing on Indy's offense that scares me. I mean, Taylor does look hot right now, but again, if your defense can find a way to stop him, that one guy, the rest of the offense is gone. So I think that Buffalo is the better team. I think that they're going to win this one by a decent margin. The point spread is six and a half. I think they'll win by more than six and a half. I'm going with Buffalo. I'm going to agree with you there, Tyler, and go with Buffalo. They have been my Super Bowl pick throughout the year, and they have still done nothing to shy me away from that. And like you said, I think even more than Buffalo being super fantastic is the only person on Indy that scares me on their offense is Jonathan Taylor. You might see a decent game out of T.Y. Hilton, 
but not fantastic. Like, I don't see a situation where Buffalo does not score enough points to win this unless they just totally fall on their face, like what happened the last time when John Josh Allen was in the playoffs. But even with Diggs and Beasley questionable, I'm actually going to go ahead and throw my bowl prediction down in this game as well and say that they'll probably play, maybe even limited, but if they are limited, you're going to see four different people catch touchdown passes in this game for Buffalo. Could be Diggs, Beasley. You got Isaiah McKenzie out there. You got Dawson Knox, a running back could catch a touchdown. They're going to spread the ball out on Indy. And even though their defense is semi-solid, it's just going to be too much for them to handle. Yeah, and George, you know, you put down your bold prediction on this game. And guys, if you are betters out there, maybe it's time to start betting on our bold predictions because I think it's worth mentioning that this past week we did bold predictions like always. And two out of the three of us actually got them right. Uh, We have been hot here to end the season. So maybe this is worth looking into, putting some money on it. Except mine because I'm I'm the one that keeps making uh, bad bold predictions. And, you know, Maybe it's another bad, bold prediction, but I actually think this game's going to be extremely close. I, I like Indy in this game. I, I don't know if they'll actually win the game, and it's going back to Phillip Rivers. I just don't like Phillip Rivers. I don't trust him as a quarterback. I, I do think Josh Allen has approved. I don't think we'll see him fall apart like he did last year when they gave up the lead to the Houston Texans. I think he'll be pretty consistent, but I do think the Colts' defense is good enough to keep it close. If Diggs and Beasley are questionable, or if, especially if Diggs is even limited, and, you know, doesn't have that separation speed we've seen all season or just can't play as many snaps in any capacity, I think it'll be close. Like, I know we're not picking games this week uh, for punishments or anything because George lost and we're going to keep it that way. Oh, thanks. But, you know, this is the one upset that I don't think anybody would expect that you always see. You know, last year the Vikings beat the Saints when everyone thought the Saints were going to, like, just walk to the Super Bowl. So this could be that one up upset that no one sees coming. Again, it all comes down to Philip Rivers, and that's a, a scary proposition to bet on or have faith in, in my opinion. I agree, Cody. And, you know, I find it interesting that you uh, mentioned the Texans pulling off that win against the Bills last year. Isn't it crazy how much one year changes things? Because last year we had the Eagles, the Vikings, the Texans, the 49ers, all of them in the playoffs, and now all of them were I mean, the Vikings were decent this year, but the rest of them were terrible this year. It's crazy how much one year can change things playoff-wise. It's always crazy to me when they're like, you know, on average, six new teams make the playoffs, and we're doing our preseason predictions, and it's like, uh, six new teams? Where are we going to find six new teams that are better than the ones from last year? But you're right. You never know what's going to happen. Teams fall off. Some people teams have bad coaches like the Eagles, and <laughs> we get new teams everywhere. New teams in the offs, and this year we even get more football in the playoffs. So whether you like it or hate it, more football is always better. You know, I talked about, you know, teams that were good that missed this year. A team that was good two years ago that missed last year, and it was real surprising, uh, was the Los Angeles Rams. We all kind of expected them to have a deep run, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Now this year they face the Seahawks in Seattle, and Goff is questionable. We might not have him. How do you guys think this affects the matchup? Do you think it's going to be all Seattle, or do you think L.A. has a chance? I find this game really interesting, and I'm still going to lean Seattle in this game, but with Goff questionable, it scares me. But at the same time, Seattle has not been the same team that they were early in the season. They were a juggernaut. Wilson was cooking. And it, it now all of a sudden they look vulnerable. Like maybe their defenses look better, but at what cost? It seems like their offense has been struggling now, too, which it makes no sense. Normally with better offense means you have a better defense. You're holding the ball longer. And it seems like that hasn't been the case with them. And that on top of 
it's a divisional game. I feel like you have to keep having the Rams a shot in this, but I'm going to say Seattle pulls it off because even if golf plays, I don't know if you're going to see a hundred percent Jared golf. Yeah, I'm with you. It all comes down to Jared golf for me. I personally don't think he'll play or maybe he'll try to play and then has to leave the game similar to like Kyler Murray did last week uh, when he tried to gut through a win against the Rams. But you're right. It's, it's crazy how at the beginning of the season, like the first couple of weeks, it was like Seattle is going to the Super Bowl unless their defense gives up way too many points. And now it's like Seattle's defense needs to prevent the team from scoring more than 20 points so that Seattle can win a game. It feels like I tend to lean Seattle because I don't think golf will play. But another bold prediction that, you know, probably will get wrong, but this could this could be like a six, nine type game for me. I, I definitely don't think it would nice. be very high scoring. Nice. Hey, you're welcome. And then probably one of the most boring matchups, you know, just from a watch, unless you're a fan of these two teams, because it is divisional, but uh, not a matchup I'm looking forward to this weekend. Or if you're a fan of football, because you can kind of appreciate those defensive stands if they're not completely ugly. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of football, we're used to wildcard weekend being you have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and you have a big gap in between there somewhere. Now we have all day Saturday and all day Sunday with football. So you're hoping that all of the games are interesting and at least somewhat close to keep your attention. But you're right. This one could be really disappointing. But I'm going to say that I actually like the Rams better if golf can play and look normal, because I know that that offense has the potential to break out at any time. Josh Reynolds has looked really good recently. Uh, there's no overshadowing him, but they do have Higby. They do have Everett. They have Cup. They have Robert Woods, and they have three running backs that can all carry the football. I'm not sure which ones will be starting in this game, but all of them are dynamic and can start at any moment and look good. So I think that the Rams are actually the better team because they have a much better defense, too. But if Goff can't play, I don't see any way that they pull this off. Even with all those weapons, I still think Seattle's going to pull it off, but I don't think it's going to look pretty. I don't see Seattle making a long run. Only reason I can see that they fell off is because, you know, Russell Wilson never receives an MVP vote, and every year we have to hear about it. So he started way too hot at the beginning of the season and had to fall off to make sure that he still doesn't get any MVP votes. It's the only way I can see it. That's a great point. You know, he's never received an MVP vote. We talked about it all season and he probably won't get one this year so we'll have to try again next year but we can move on to the saturday night game uh which tyler i believe you got a little heated about you know the nfl putting the washington football team in prime time especially after their sunday night performance last week but they are hosting the tampa bay buccaneers the buccaneers you know they got tom brady the wonder kid so that's probably why the NFL put them in prime time. What do you guys think? You think Washington has a chance to pull off the upset here? Of course I got heated. Just it, it's honestly really disappointing that the NFL is still completely riding the Tom Brady train uh, until it dies. And it's fans are over it. Unless you're a fan of Tom Brady, fans are over it. We're tired of hearing about him. Nobody cares that he's in Tampa Bay. He didn't win the division. He's not the best team in that division. And I don't even think they're the, one of the best teams in the playoffs. But even still, they're still way better than any NFC East team right now. So especially after watching that NFC East game last week that was just absolutely ugly, to go ahead and put one in prime time on Saturday, like there's so many other games I'd rather see. I'd rather see Buffalo or Indy. I think that's going to be a great matchup. I'd rather see Tennessee-Baltimore. I think that's going to be a great matchup. Honestly, even the New Orleans and Chicago game I'd rather see than this one because we all saw that 
Tampa Bay was playing their butts off last week to try to get a win because it was basically like a bye week this week going against Washington. And, you know, Alex Smith is hobbled. It's supposed to be Taylor Heineke starting this week. Uh, there's a chance that Smith starts, but it's not looking good right now. Heineke is taking all the snaps in practice. And I don't see any way that Heineke and this team that looked absolutely flat against a team like the Eagles come out and beat Tampa Bay. I, I just don't see it happening. I agree. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay for a lot of what you said. And going back to them putting them in prime time, I feel like they could be just disappointed with this as they were with putting Washington and Philadelphia last week. And we were talking about how the Rams and Seahawks might not be good. I would take that game in prime time over this one. I mean, I don't get it how you'd have a wild card team versus a team that you can say really didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Anybody from the NFC East would you be able to say that about. And with Alex Smith possibly being out, I'll hate it even more because Alex Smith is, I think the machine that brought Washington to where they are right now. He's still a great quarterback when he's fully healthy and not, I mean, he's not going to lead that team to nine, 10 wins. I don't think if he was playing the entire season, but they would at least look like a more legitimate team, but got to go with Tampa Bay, even without Mike Evans, that signing of Antonio Brown now looks like it makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, the signing of Antonio Brown is big, you know, but I don't want to rule out Washington's front seven, especially that defensive line. We have seen in years past the way to beat Tom Brady is to get pressure up front quick and right in the middle. They got two big dudes in the middle, and then they got Chase Young on the outside. Chase Young coming off of NFC Defensive Player of the Month and NFC Rookie Defensive Player of the Month. So he's coming on strong here at the end of the season. Well, he did throw. He might have hurt himself, though. He did throw out the "I'm coming for you, Brady," uh, after the game on Sunday. Never want to call out Tom Brady, uh, but I I hope they can pull it off because you know, before the Lions game, if you guys remember, people were like, "Is Tom Brady?" I mean, people were again going, "Is Tom Brady done?" I think I think maybe it wasn't all Tom Brady, and then he you know he threw the four or five touchdowns, whatever it was, in the first half against the Lions when they had no coach because they were all out due to COVID. And they're like, oh, my God, Tom Brady's so good. And then Tyler mentioned they had to fight out a game against the Falcons last week, but at least they freaking played Doug Peterson. <laughs> and they barely beat the Falcons this week so or last week. So, it's you know, Tom Brady hasn't been that great this season. They lose Mike Evans. It's a huge part of their offense. You know, they still have Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. But Washington's defense is really good. You know, one pick six – could completely change the tide of this game. This is probably another low-scoring game. And, you know, Washington is a, a tough team to, you know, project to beat the Buccaneers just be, based on talent. But I actually like their chances. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying, you know, bet money on it. But I think Washington has a, a decent shot at upsetting the Buccaneers. No, Cody, you said that you think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I agree with you. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and throw my bold prediction on this game. I think it's going to be so low-scoring that – Washington could even get shut out. I'm going to throw my bold prediction on any of these games. So basically, no team has been shut out in a playoff game since 2005 when the Panthers shut out the Giants. And I think that we are going to have that happen this week. We are going to see a team get shut out, and this is one I could definitely see happening, especially if Alex Smith is out. He hasn't been lighting the world on fire stats-wise, but he's been managing his team very well, and they've been rallying behind him. I just think if Taylor Heineke steps out there for a playoff game 
And, you know, you can shut down Gibson. I think he's a dynamic running back. He's going to have a great future, but you can shut him down. McLaurin hasn't been as good as I had hoped. I really think that Washington's going to struggle, and I think that they're going to get shut out. At least one playoff team will get shut out. That's my bold prediction. And I think this would have to be the team if that happens. I'm, I think that's a very interesting bold prediction. I don't see it happening anywhere outside of this. So good luck. And I think it'd be hilarious to see it happen, especially with Alex Smith out. I think it's possible, though. Um, and Cody, I can get exactly what you're saying by picking Washington and Tampa Bay. I've always said all season, like because they're this super team kind of put together, they're not going to be able to beat everybody, I don't think. But. Washington's not of a high enough talent level, I don't think, to uh, yeah, overcome especially them. especially without Alex Smith, you know, you know, Washington is five and one with Alex Smith, so they've lost pretty much every other game that he hasn't played. So if he doesn't play, doesn't bode well. And a little little sidetrack here, uh, we'll talk about it all off season about players we'd like to see, but I would love to see Matt Stafford eventually work his way to Washington. I think he would work so well on that offense. So hopefully they upset the Bucks one and then get Matt Stafford. That's my Washington football team and a new name. Those are my three goals for the Washington football team. This <laughs> Just wanted to throw that out there. We'll be tracking all the news on the Washington football team naming throughout the offseason. So make sure you stay with us. I think that is enough of the Saturday games, and maybe that's just because I'm excited to talk about our first Sunday game, which is the first game and the only game this week that we will have a Couch GM team playing in the playoffs. It is the Baltimore Ravens going to the Tennessee Titans. This is the first time the Titans have hosted a playoff game since 2008 where they lost to the Ravens. Uh, So that's not exciting. The Titans and Ravens have played each other in the playoffs four times in their franchise history, and the road team has run won every single matchup. That's also not exciting. So I think it's time to finally shut those things down, finally change the future. You know, Tennessee came out last year, and they were huge underdogs to the Ravens, and they pulled off the victory. They faced the Ravens during the regular season this year. They were underdogs. They pulled off the victory. So it's just completely fitting that the Titans are underdogs in this matchup yet again, three and a half point underdogs. And, you know, before we even get into the game, I just want to say congratulations to my boy, the King, Derek Henry, on reaching 2,000 yards. I predicted it in my bowl prediction last week that he would get it. He needed 223 yards to get it. He broke 250. Uh, The man is an absolute animal, and I can't wait to see what he does against his Baltimore defense in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think there could be about 750 rushing yards in this game, if you think about it. Baltimore runs their offense through the run. Tennessee runs their offense through Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's not going to slow down. He's not the kind of guy that even though he was run all running all year and had 2,000 yards, he's not going to wear down. You just know he's not. But I was so back and forth on this game. I like Tennessee better because I feel like if Baltimore does fall behind, they might struggle a little bit to come back. But I'm actually going to go with Baltimore in this game because I feel like they've played their best football as of late. And... I think this game's going to be close throughout, and it could come down to final possession. It could not. It could be like a you know, two-possession game near the end. But I don't know. I think because of how Baltimore's defense has been playing and Baltimore as a whole, Lamar Jackson's been throwing the ball a little bit better. He's actually been getting Hollywood Brown involved, which I've not seen through most of the season. And that's even without them really feeding the ball to Mark Andrews, who's another X-factor on that team. I'm sorry, Tyler. Got to go with Baltimore. Yeah, Tyler. 
Unfortunately, I think Baltimore is going to get this victory. I am interested, since it is now in Tennessee, if the Baltimore players will come out and stomp all over the, the Titans logo after the Titans did that at the Ravens uh, earlier in this season. Uh, if there's any heated, there's become a really good rivalry over the last couple of years, these two teams. Absolutely. This game could be the this game could be the fastest of the week as much as these teams run. I feel like we'll be like, man, this game's already at halftime. Oh, there's already six minutes left. So, Tyler, for your sake, I, hopefully the Titans do win because uh, this this game could be short, and I'd hate for you not to get the full Titans experience uh, the last week. But, you know, one thing George did point out is Lamar uh, Jackson. I almost said Lamar Miller. That would have been really embarrassing. Oh, my boy um, Lamar Miller. Miss him. But Lamar, Lamar Jackson has been dropping some dimes the last couple of weeks. And I know, Tyler, that's one of your biggest things against him is his throwing ability. If he can continue to play the way he has, I think Baltimore can easily – I'm not going to say easily. It's the playoffs. Uh, Baltimore can win this game and maybe even make a make a run for the playoffs. It will be exciting. Maybe I'm still a little biased because of how bad the Packers beat the Titans, which is why my Couch GM's team is not playing this weekend. We got the one seed. Nice little jab there. You tried to squeeze in, Tyler, but I had to remind the people – and we got two couch GM teams in the playoffs. But anyways, back to this matchup. It should be a fun one. Derrick Henry is always a blast to watch. He's the slowest, fast guy I've ever seen in my life. But Baltimore just seems to be clicking at the right time. Yeah, okay. So time to play some devil's advocate. You knew I had to go here. As far as the Titans-Packers game, yeah, we completely didn't show up. Turns out Titans don't know how to play in snow, so hopefully it doesn't snow in the playoffs or we're screwed. But moving on from that game, Let's talk about the Ravens for a second. Now, George, you said the thing that everybody in the media is saying that just bothers the hell out of me, and that is the Ravens are playing so well right now. They are so hot right now. So let's go back and look at why they're so hot. After losing to the Patriots, the Titans, and the Steelers, two playoff teams and one horrible team, they then went on their winning streak and looked super hot against the Cowboys, terrible team, the Browns, which they won by five. I'll admit, Browns are a good team. At the same time, we have said a hundred times what divisional games can do. They then went on to beat the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. So, yes, they're playing hot right now. He's dropping dimes, but he's dropping dimes against terrible defenses. They're looking hot, but they're looking hot against horrible teams. They have struggled against playoff teams this year that are outside of the division, and they have I don't know, but they have some kind of kryptonite with Tennessee. We just always know how to play them, and I love it. So I really think the Titans are going to come out. They're going to show up. I love that we're underdogs. I wish we could stay underdogs every week. I'm excited for this game. Guys, I, I'm i going to keep saying it. Until they prove otherwise against the real team, I don't think the Ravens are all that good. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying, but we didn't see Lamar Jackson dropping dimes against the bad teams on their schedule in the beginning of the season. So I just see that as a little bit of maybe a progression because especially because it was right after everyone started criticizing the Ravens for not calling enough passing plays and taking too much time to draw up run plays that you started to see Lamar Jackson actually come out there and throw the ball more. So I'm feeling like there's possibly an adjustment that actually happened there. But you have a really good point there, Tyler. The adjustment that happened is the fact that they finally let Lamar run again. In the first half of the year, he wasn't throwing well, but they were also trying to force the pass with him. They weren't letting him scramble like he did uh, last year when he won the MVP award. Um, But in the second half of the year, I've seen a complete change, and I've seen them actually just let him have free roam and run again. However, that's exactly what he was doing last year, and the Titans were able to stop it because they knew how to stop 
his mobility. They were one of the only teams to figure it out. So I think that if we can shut down Lamar's running ability, I'm not scared of that offense. We force Lamar to throw. I don't think he's going to keep throwing dimes. Well, you know, ever since Lamar Jackson took a number two or got a an IV, we still don't really know. He's He's been dropping those dimes. And, you know, one thing you did just point out was against bad teams and bad defenses, but the Titans are ranked 30th in defense. So yep. that's a bad defense. The Titans, you know, we just saw Deshaun Watson, again, divisional, I understand, light them up with Brandon Cooks is good, but Chad Hansen and Kiki Kuti, you know, I'm not saying they're probably just as good as the Ravens wide receivers, but Lamar Jackson is dynamic enough. There's going to be some heated rivalry after last year's playoff game, after you guys beating them. I'm not saying Baltimore is going to roll over the Titans. The Titans are going to make it competitive. That's just how the t- Titans are. You know, they're a good team. But I do think your defense could be your downfall against a talented Baltimore offense that seems to be hitting their strides. And I think the only thing that keeps both of these teams under 30 is if they run the ball too much, the game ends too fast. So, yes, I think it's just going to be a lot of scoring. It's nothing against the Titans offense. It's against the Titans defense. I will say that I've seen the Titans plenty of games this year fall behind early and make a strong comeback, but that's not something that we can sustain, especially against a team like Baltimore, who, as much as I don't like them, have proven that they can put up points when they need to. So I honestly believe, and you can hold me to this, whatever team starts faster will likely win the game. I think whatever team wins the first quarter could honestly win the game. I think it's that big. If the Titans go up 14-0 to start the game, Titans are going to win. If the Ravens go up 14 nothing to start the game, Ravens are going to win, and I strongly believe that. Uh, only way that I think this is going to be a 50-50 shot is if they actually stay right on each other in shootout form all throughout the game. Uh, but I honestly do believe whatever team starts first is going to win. Definitely, you know, might be the matchup of the week. Yeah, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Non- hey, Washington gets a primetime game. <laughs> but this is one o'clock on Sunday. Come on. But is this really the game of the week? Because I honestly think that our next matchup has a lot more of entertainment to it because of what's happening on TV. Okay, you're right. The TV broadcast might be better for our next matchup, which we should let our listeners know the next matchup is the Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. And you're like, how can that be a better matchup? Well, this game's going to be simulcast on Nickelodeon. And they're going to be putting SpongeBob in the goalposts, googly eyes on the players, slime animations for touchdowns. All you 90 childs, man, this is going to be the 90 childs, 90 kids. Man, Cody can't speak. 90s children, yeah. (laughs) But anyways, this game is going to be so much fun for us, for all the young kids out there that are just getting into football. At least from an entertainment value, this could be a very great game. I agree, Cody. At the same time, I think as far as the game goes, the Saints – are heavily favored as well. They should be. They are the better team. Um, Chicago was one of those teams that just kind of squeaked into the playoffs. They didn't really deserve to be there. They made it eight and eight, which is still better than any NFC East team. But anyway, Mm. I think new Orleans is going to win this game. If I had to put money on the game, I would say new Orleans to win the game easily. At the same time, I just have a gut feeling that the bears are going to pull this one off. I've just seen the Saints have some bad luck in the playoffs recently. I could see some bad luck happening again. And I just feel like when it comes to the playoffs, it's any given week. We've seen crazier things happen. I just feel like because this is so one 
sided, dominated on who we think is going to win, the Bears are going to come out and sneaky good, and it's going to be a lot more of a competitive game than we really expect. But like I said, if I had to put money on it, I'm going Saints. Well, they always told me in the past that defense wins championships, and if there's one thing the Bears have going for them, it is their defense. So maybe them sneaking in will give them a shot to make a run, but for some reason I'm still feeling the same way everyone else is in New Orleans is going to roll over them. I don't think the Saints' offense can be slowed down enough. Mitch has not been bad, but Mitch cannot put up enough points to keep up with Breeze and Thomas and Kamara. And we're going to see a lot more slime touchdowns on the Saints' side than we will on the Bears' side. You know, speaking of slime touchdowns, if I know correctly, I think Cody has a bold prediction on this game. Uh, Cody, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what that is? Everyone's going to be watching them slime touchdowns. And I actually think, you know, this game on Nickelodeon will yield more viewers than the game the broadcast on cbs even if that means tony romo's making the call which everyone seems to love if, if he's recovered from covid of course everyone's gonna be tuned in on the nickelodeon maybe it's because i'm a 90s child and i'm excited for this i think a lot more people are excited for this and they're gonna let on uh but back to the game you guys mentioned you know the chicago defense well we saw roquan smith leave the game last week against the packers that's a key piece on their defense, and he still hasn't practiced this week. They're still missing two of their top three corners. And then on offense, you know, Darnell Mooney and Cordero Patterson haven't practiced all week. They could be very shorthanded this week, and I don't think that bodes well. Uh, the Saints look to have a pretty easy victory this week in my eyes, but I do like what Snyder said. You know, maybe a late no-call pass interference. Maybe a, a miracle on a deep ball and the safety misses a tackle. Leave the Saints alone, man. Hey, you never know. Sorry, Saints fans. Hate to bring it up. Maybe this year's your year, but you've been telling me that for five years and you haven't done shit. So, <laughs> oh, man. man, I just came after the Saints fan. I don't even know why. All right, buddy. So and he's picking question. the Saints. That's the worst part. <laughs> One more question yeah, and we'll move on from this game. So, Cody, you watch this division more than anybody else because of the fact that you're a Packers fan, uh, so you're in this division. With Chicago coming into this game, the question marks around Foles and Trubisky, do you think that Trubisky's future in Chicago depends on this game, a.k.a. if he wins, he's going to stay there. If he loses, he's gone. Or do you think his future is already decided? I think Mitch Trubisky will be back to some degree, whether it's another one-year deal, whether they franchise him, whether they sign him to a long-term ex extension. Please sign him to a long-term extension. But I do think there is the possibility if he comes out and plays just awful and, you know, they can't move the ball, they look like they did before he got, well, look like the Nick Foll era Bears, then it's a different conversation. I think it'll be – he'll be under more scrutiny – you know, they might have to let go of the GM, but I think if the GM stays, Matt Nagy stays, Mitch Trubisky stays. All right, Cody, I appreciate that input. So we have one game left in this super wild card weekend, and it's an interesting one. Now, the matchup itself is a divisional game. We've seen it two times already this year. Uh, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think we could all agree that Cleveland was the better team coming into the playoffs. Pittsburgh hasn't looked the same. Cleveland has been hot. But guys, COVID has struck the Browns hard. Not only are they going to be missing some key players, but they are missing their head coach for the game. They're going to have someone else stepping in uh, to be the head coach for the game. So this obviously puts a hamper on Cleveland. 
do you think that evens this game out? Do you give Pittsburgh the edge now? How are you guys feeling about this matchup? Well, I think Pittsburgh is technically the favorite, and I can understand why completely, not only with Stefanski having COVID not being able to coach, but they won by two points last week against Mason Rudolph, and Pittsburgh is still obviously the division winner, but we all know how we felt about Pittsburgh this year. And it seems like it's crazy to see, oh, well, you're not going to have a head coach and you're going to have the starting quarterback coming back in on the other side. You got to pick Pittsburgh, but I'm still going to go with Cleveland. I don't call me crazy. I don't think Mason Rudolph and Ben Roethlisberger make that much of a difference. What do you guys you're think? Crazy. You're crazy. I just think Pittsburgh's not that fantastic around him otherwise. So or just not fantastic that fantastic of a team anyway so cleveland can still pull it off i'm not saying this is big ben of years past but he's a lot better than mason rudolph like mason rudolph might have played the best game of his career on sunday and he still didn't look great like that's how bad mason i wonder you know maybe if doug peterson was the coach they would have played big ben until they had the, they were two points away and then put in Mason Rudolph because they need to evaluate their third string quarterback. Well, we say like these guys don't run the ball. They just throw the ball, basically. So, yeah, sure. You can say that's the quarterback. Do they ask the quarterback to throw the ball that far down the field or make that hard of throws? No, everything's simple. So I don't see why you can't say Mason Rudolph can do everything that they're asking Ben Roethlisberger to do. I think when Big Ben's in there, they throw the ball down the field quite a lot. You know, Claypool had the most defensive pass interferences to call it against him because he's gotten behind defenses. We've seen Deontay Johnson do it. I mean, outside of Juju, Deontay, Claypool, and Washington are all more vertical threats than Juju's more of the underneath guy. So I, I agree, you know, they don't really have a run game at all. I do think the the loss to Stefanski is going to be too big for them to overcome, even as a guy who likes Alex Van Pelt, who's going to be calling this plays, former Packers quarterback coach, big friends with Aaron Rodgers, so does know what he's doing. But I think Pittsburgh, you know, start – I'm not going to say get ba- gets back on track of this game because it isn't just Stefanski out, but the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately – COVID is going to cause them to Brown. That's so sad. You know, I really have been hoping for the Cleveland Browns to actually not only win this game, but make a run as long as they're not playing the Titans. You know, the Browns deserve it. They haven't been in the playoffs in almost two decades. It's just sad. And it's one of the most heartbreaking things as a fan, or even just as a fan of football to see, because, you know, the Browns are that underdog team that you low-key root for every year even if you don't admit you do just because they've been so bad and now to finally make it to the playoffs be in a game that is definitely winnable and have COVID hit them of all things it's the most Browns thing I've ever seen hopefully they can still fight through it and win this game but I have a question that might be a little off topic here guys so when Antonio Brown was still with Pittsburgh we said that Thank God Antonio Brown is leaving. He is losing his mind. He is out of his mind. It's time for Juju to step up. He definitely deserves to be there. At least he's sane. Is Juju even sane, or is he Antonio Brown 2.0? We've seen the guy dance on logos and worry more about TikTok than actually how he plays in the game. And now he had an interview this uh, past week, and they said, how does it feel going up against a guy like Denzel Ward? Uh, What do you think of him? And he said, I like Denzel Ward. Because he has a cool name. I think he's number 21. I'm pretty sure he's light-skinned, so he gets a lot of girls, I'm sure. What kind of an interview answer is that? I feel like this guy is not in his right mind, and we haven't seen him perform the same way he has since that rookie year. 
Is this Antonio Brown 2.0? I feel like I really missed the old Juju riding to work on a bike because he didn't want to get his license or a car. And he seemed like this lighthearted, give back to the community, really reasonable guy. And you're right. I feel like what is Pittsburgh doing to wide receivers to make them go crazy? I don't know either. And he's not a number one receiver. And I still feel like he might not even be number two receiver now. Is there something in the water in Pittsburgh? I mean, we've seen it with Le'Veon Bell. We've seen it with Antonio Brown. And now Juju is just crazy. Is it something to do with bridges? Like, because there's so many bridges in Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to tell. You know, I, I do think Juju, you know, he still is only 24. He still has some, I don't want to say maturing to do, but maybe some people will say maturing to do. I think, you know, we're just so used to, you know, players, I don't want to say like falling in suit and like being buttoned up with these interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, I think Juju has always been a little bit of a unique character, a unique player. I think some of it has, was disguised by, you know, the Antonio Brown antics when he was in Pittsburgh, but, you know, he's always been, you know, big in like the streaming scene and, you know, having his personal brand, uh, which, you know, props to him because you got to make money any way you can. So it's working from him. You know, maybe it has affected his gameplay a little bit. Again, I think it more comes down to, I think the the problem with Juju is, is he's not a true number one wide receiver. He needs a guy on the other side. Well, Cody, I hope you're right. I would love to see him bounce back in his career because I can tell you just from seeing him his rookie year, he was one of the most exciting guys in the NFL at that point. So if we can see him get back to that point, it would be honestly super beneficial. I don't like the Steelers, but I really do like Juju. He is an exciting player. I, I hope he gets his mind right. I will say that he needs to mature a little bit, and hopefully he does that maturing over the offseason and comes back next year firing. I would love to see it. Uh, but, guys, that is it for our games um, I'm super excited for this playoff weekend, six playoff games. I know a lot of people are indifferent on only having one team with a bye, but I am excited to have six playoff games. It's going to make this weekend a lot more fun to watch. So guys, why don't we jump in and do something we haven't done in a couple of weeks and have a good old little debate here. Fine. Bring it. All right. So I'm going to post you guys a question here. Which wildcard team do you think has the best chance to make noise in the playoffs? Cody, why don't you start? Okay, well, I think I kind of hinted at it earlier. I'm going to apologize off the top to Tyler, but I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Somebody mute him. As the wild card team, I think, can make the most noise. We talked about how dynamic their offense has been the last couple of weeks. I understand it hasn't been against the best defenses, but you still have to hit the passes. And we've seen Lamar Jackson hit on a number of passes we weren't seeing in the earlier of the season. I'm a huge hardball fan, at least the one that's in Baltimore, not so much the one that's in Michigan. That's another debate. So I think Baltimore, you know, they have the pieces. They're a little bit under the radar 
radar this year, despite being the the favorites in this matchup. No one's really talking about them. I think they'll make the most noise. I think they're going to go the farthest of any of the AFC North teams. Baltimore could make a run. I look forward to them playing the Chiefs or the Bills next week. I mean, I will agree with you that they do have a chance to make a run. If they can make it past Tennessee, I do think they have a chance to make it far. As much as I don't like them, uh, they do have the pieces on their team that if you don't know how to stop them, it can be dangerous. One thing I will disagree with you on is the fact that no one's talking about them. I can't turn on NFL Network without them talking about uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Yesterday, ESPN did their picks for... Uh, the wild card weekend, and out of the 10 experts that picked the Baltimore and Tennessee game, nine of the 10 of them picked Baltimore to win. Uh, so I do think they are being talked about. Uh, however, I will move on to my pick. And, you know, this one pains me a little bit to say, mainly because of the fact that I was somewhat bashing them earlier in the show. But I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one big reason nope. why. One big reason. I think they have an easy first-round matchup. And I can't say that with really any other wildcard team. I think the Colts can lose to Buffalo easily. Um, I can see uh, Baltimore losing to Tennessee. Tennessee has had their number. I don't see Chicago getting past New Orleans. Uh, Cleveland has COVID going on. So there's a chance that all of these wildcard teams could be out in the first round. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not only can they get past the first round, but the NFC doesn't look as strong as the AFC this year. I know it flip-flops pretty much every year, uh, but this year AFC is stronger. I think with Tom Brady at least knowing how to manage a game, he has those weapons on offense he can lean on if needed, and he does have some big pieces on defense uh, that can change the game with one forced fumble or one interception. I think Tampa Bay is actually the strongest of the wild card teams as far as schedule and looking forward. Yeah, I think what you just said, you know, if this was the debate on who's going to win, you know, round one, get the farthest, you, you make a good point. They have the best matchup. All the other teams are very, have a very tough matchup. And I also just want to point out for the people at home, like the debate was strictly wild card teams. We weren't doing any of the division winners, despite, you know, the two seed playing on wild card weekend. It was just the three teams that made it in as a wild card from each division that we were picking between. So out of those six, you know, the Buccaneers do have the best chance to win. I personally just don't see them as a team that even if they get past the first round, will get past the divisional round. Whereas a team like I picked as the Ravens, I think if they're hot, they can beat anybody. And I mean, I don't know if we're even going to be talking about like with the question being make noise. Like, I mean, them winning and getting into the conference championship and winning two games and doing that could be a big part of that. But I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns on mine. I think Cody's arguments on the Ravens are very solid. I'm also very high on how the Ravens have been playing lately. Tampa Bay can win the first week, sure, but I don't think they're a great team against another great team. I've mentioned that before. Cleveland, if they can get through these COVID issues and still beat Pittsburgh, which I think is very possible, that's why I picked them, they would probably play the Chiefs in the second round. And while I would definitely not pick them to beat the Chiefs, and I don't think there's really much of a shot, they could sneakily hang into a game with the Chiefs, try to run some clock by running the ball with their two big running backs, and kind of surprise some people who maybe don't follow football as much as we do and don't really know what the Cleveland Browns have gone through because they haven't seen him in the playoffs in years and years and years and at least hang with Patrick Mahomes. And that's why I think I'm going to say picking the Browns to make the most noise in the, play the playoffs. You know, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, like I know the Bucks, if they win and there's no other upsets in the NFC, they would go on to face the Packers. I understand that is a tough team to face. We have seen the Packers struggle in certain games before though. Uh, so there, there was always that possibility. 
but they are one, you know, fluke upset away from facing the Saints or facing the Seahawks, who we have talked about, you know, having their struggles. I know the Saints have had the Bucks number this year. At the same time, it is still a divisional game. And we have said anytime there's a divisional matchup, you never know who's going to win. It's weirder than any other game, and we can't really explain it. And if they go on to face the Seahawks, I mean, I think they can win that game easily. Seahawks look terrible. Where on the other side of the bracket, you're talking about the Ravens and Browns. If they win, they will go on to face either the Chiefs or the Bills. And I don't see either one of them beating either one of those teams. I think the Chiefs and the Bills are two of the strongest teams in the entire playoff bracket. Uh, I have the Bills making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, Spoiler alert. I mean, that's even if they go against the Titans. I think they're one of the strongest teams. And the Chiefs, even though they haven't looked as good as they did last year, they're still completely dangerous. And we haven't really seen anybody outside of the Oakland Raiders. uh, Oakland, oh, sound the alarm. uh, Outside of the Las Mm. Vegas Raiders be able to slow them down and make them look human. So I just think that the Bucks are the better team because even if they do make it past the first round, which, like I said, they have the best odds to make it to the second round, I think that they have the easier second round matchup. Again, I'm not saying the Bucks would beat the Packers or would beat the Saints, but they have better odds on beating them than I think the Ravens or Browns do against the Bills or Chiefs. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a two, two-man two race. I think it's either between me or Tyler. George, I don't know what you're doing picking the Browns, but <laughs> hey, you get to do what you want to do. But so I, I completely understand, Snyder, what you're saying about Tampa Bay. You know, if they can somehow avoid going to Green Bay and playing in the cold, the Rams to upset the Seahawks, which, you know, we all said could definitely happen and go to New Orleans. It's so hard to beat a team three times in one season. I don't know why I'm now currently arguing your pick against. I think you convinced me that the Bucks might be the best answer. <laughs> You know, that makes sense because I did pick them in our uh, mid-season review with uh, Marcus from the First and Ten Club to go on and uh, be the representative to the Super Bowl. So, well done, sir. I am now arguing why the Bucks are better than the Ravens, so apparently you convinced me. But go Ravens. Go Titans. Come on now. Look, you can can say the Ravens are the better team or you think they'll win, but don't you go saying go Ravens. Come on now. What is their fancy Twitter hashtag? Does anyone Ravens flock, I'm pretty sure it is. Ravens flock. Oh, that's lame. Hashtag Ravens flock. Tighten but up. But it's not as good as Go Pack Go. But, you know, maybe we'll save Twitter handle or hashtag Twitters for another debate another day. But I think this wraps up our super wildcard weekend preview. As always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on social. You know, there is no fantasy. So maybe you just want to talk about something. So feel free to reach out. We're at the Couch DMs on any of your social platforms. Make sure to follow us and then leave a comment and review on this podcast absolutely guys and you know even though we didn't do the picks this week uh so you didn't have a chance to challenge us there is always room to get involved in this podcast let us know who you think is going to win each of these games let us know who you think won the debate maybe there's a different wild card team that you like even more than one of the guys we said either way this podcast is way more fun for us and way more fun for you when you actually get involved become a couch gm yourself guys get involved with the podcast and don't forget one more team hashtag we got hashtag tank Google's tank thank you for listening to the couch gms for tyler snyder and cody roadcap i'm george kurth and we'll be all with you next week for divisional round have fun guys